You're joining the conversation with Shortlisted, a podcast from the Greater Midwest Chapter, or GMC, of the Association of Proposal Management Professionals, where we chat about proposals, the business of winning work, and nailing the shortlists in our lives. I'm your host, Paul Lockwood, Senior Sales Operations Analyst for the Vitality Group in Chicago. And I'm co-host Heather Finch, joining from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I lead a team of proposal and presentation specialists. This month, we're having a chat with Marcus Hammond. Hi, Marcus. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Marcus Hammond. I uh, am a proposal strategist for Burns and McDonald in Kansas City. And uh, understand that your work history has kind of been a little varied. Uh, how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, I um I've been kind of on a long and winding path. Um, I actually started my professional career as an adjunct English instructor um, here in the Kansas City area. I uh, taught the the gamut of of English classes from developmental English up to you know through uh, English 101 or English composition and uh, and then argument and rhetoric. Um, which was our version of 102. And uh, then after seven years of that, I uh, jumped into the corporate world um, and became a writer for an accounting firm, um, which lasted about a year. Um, and I, I then jumped there to a financial institution um, and became a proposal, an RFP writer um, for for the financial institution, um, and kind of found found my place there and spent six years there. And now I am a proposal, like I said, a proposal strategist um, at Burns McDonald. So within architecture and engineering. Um, so yeah, so it's been it's been a windy road. Well, better to be involved with composition on the English side than decomposition, I always say. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, Marcus, I, I often find when I look back over my career, there's these kind of surprise threads that I, I didn't know when I was making changes in my career. But then looking back, I'm like, oh, I see how this experience, you know, helps me here and, and you know, ties into this. So. I, Having had you know a, a windy road as as you describe it, what do you see as some of those threads in your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I had always kind of thought that I would I would stay as a teacher because I loved um, watching individuals, no matter no no matter what age group or or you know income bracket or whatever, like grow and ride in. And when I started, when I went into an office setting and was looking at like different types of like, whether it be marketing, writing or, um, you know, writing a proposal letter or whatever, um, I saw that that thread where I like to help people write better, basically. Um, that kind of followed me because I could see like where I could input like, hey, 
um, this would be better if we did the, you know, like, here's a suggestion, here's a suggestion. And I could see them um, even in that first, you know, corporate job, take that and and you know like establish that into better template or something um and then even further on when i got more confident in proposal management um seeing different writing styles and being able to identify you know how how to coerce that person to to write better or write out of their comfort zone like so that really helped um coming from that from that instructional background um yeah. So do you find yourself uh, using your teaching experience uh, a lot uh, in your in your daily life now? Not so much now, like I, I feel and, and there's and there's a reason for that, um, <laughs> because uh, where I'm at now. Um, I have an established team um, behind me and the the people, the people ahead of me are more experienced in in what i'm doing and so i'm actually it's actually flipped for me now is where i feel like i'm the student instead of teaching and i have to be able to change my mindset to be open to you know um hi let me pick your brain you know instead of being the one whose brain is picked um which is nice it's kind of that you know um you have to always be willing to be a student um in the in in proposal management i feel like yeah and so you know that kind of that idea of having to learn um you know some of us find ourselves switching industries from time to time right like we're proposal managers first and then we're learning all of these different industries so i'm curious you know, has have you found that you have an industry that you like best or that you find most fascinating or have there been different ways in which different industries have influenced the way that you manage proposals? Yeah, um, it, so so it's interesting because when I was with um, when I was in finance, like uh, the financial institution, um, you know that was commercial driven sales driven um you know the 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 people that i was working for their their livelihood was based on whether you know we win you know I, a portion of it was based on whether we win these rfps or not and um and that was that was really interesting and and i mean for me it told me it kind of showed me i never wanted to be a salesperson um <laughs> However, you know, switching into now a, a situation where um, I'm mostly writing government and federal RFPs, seeing the differences between the two um, have been pretty impactful um, just in process. Um, so, so prior with with the commercial RFPs I was writing, uh, I'll call it a homegrown process. Like I was the only RFP writer um, or proposal writer. I decided one day that their their RFPs could be better, um, and and I was and I was making systems and processes and and searching for for ways to to grow that. 
um, now I'm, I, I've come into a place I've been in my current role, uh, eight months, I think. And I've, I've come into a team with a process that, that, you know, I don't, all I have to do is learn it. And I see how that has impacted, how that impacts the responses between the two industries. Um, and, and really it showed me like, like the process is everything, right? Like you can, you can have poor, poor writers or, or, um, people who are more engaged in, um, different aspects and it doesn't matter because you've got, you've got this process that you're continually working through and there's, there's always a, I don't know, it provides a safety net, right? Well, clearly when you were at the financial institution, you, you did get some good experience there. You were able to bank that experience. Right. But um, now that you've gone from commercial to uh, more of a government uh, focus, what do you see as the difficulties that uh, making that transition? Um, some people may be a little scared of the rigid uh, of uh, federal and, and government RFPs. Did you find that uh, daunting? Uh, yeah, I, to be honest, yes. Like um, I, I came in to this situation um, on kind of on the coattails of I know I know how to manage a proposal. Like maybe I maybe I don't know like the all the processes, but I at least know you know what needs to be built. I've I know how to communicate with stakeholders, and then and so I had that, um, and then here I am sitting and I'm looking at these form these rigid forms, and you can't go outside of this, and and they're scored, you know, a specific way. It's like here here's five categories that this is going to get scored on. We have to answer all five. Where prior I, you know, I was following, um, I was following this RFP that was written by um, an accounts payable person. Um, you know, so it, it they were more open ended, um, and and um, maybe more technical, given that the difference in in what we're selling, right? You know, technical in in different ways. Um, so, so I, I did, and I still do, and I think I probably will continue <laughs> to find um, the government and federal RFPs um, kind of daunting because because they're rigid. However, you know, again, having having that team with with you know um, you know 10, 10, 15, 20 years of experience in it can say take a deep breath, you know, like, you know what you're doing. Um, there's people here, you know, there's people here to help you. Um, you don't have to write this anymore. Like we have people for that, you know, like, so, so it takes away some of that dauntingness to know that there's, there's support and there's, you know, um, SMEs that, you know, all I have to do is know how to read the RFP, um, and make sure that we're hitting all that all that criteria that makes it a little less daunting when when i have that narrowed responsibility i guess 
All right, we are going to move on to our second segment here, which is the best thing that happened to you this month. And to give you an idea of how that works, Heather, what was the best thing that happened to you that month, this month? Well, I would say that it was just this week. Um, my One of my mentors, uh, who is quite on the other side of the country for me, happened to be vacationing in the area and asked if I wanted to, to get lunch. Um, where she was vacationing is up in Green Bay, which I had never been to before. And as somebody that's lived in Wisconsin for 10 years, I said, I got to go up there. I got to take this opportunity. Um, so I had myself a little mini adventure. Um, and there is this amusement park right on the water that uh, is incredible. It's such an incredible thing for the community where you can buy tickets. Tickets are a quarter a piece and each ride costs between one and four tickets. So I rode a roller coaster for one whole dollar. It was fantastic. I had so much fun. Um, we talk a lot about you know, burnout and mental health on the on the podcast. And I realized my brain had been getting dangerously close to short circuiting and just having a little bit of time to myself and having some fun has been absolutely um, just so beneficial in, in restoring uh, how I feel um, in the day to day. So it was it was a fantastic day and and got to actually meet my mentor in person. So that was fantastic. Well, in Green Bay, it sounds like you packered a lot into that day. All right, moving on. What was your best thing that happened to you this month, Marcus? Well, uh, my mine is kind of kind of on the the personal experience uh, uh, side of things, um, but still within kind of what Heather was talking about with burnout. Um, I have consistently tried to find new ways to to uh, combat burnout and um, a few months ago I decided that I was going to take up um, painting um, and I kind of started in on this and I, I'll paint something and you know I'll throw it into a bin and there's this whole bin in my house of paintings and I came home a couple weeks ago and uh I noticed that the the bin of paintings was was empty, and um, I was kind of shocked and and I was worried that my wife had let somebody see them. Um, <laughs> and uh, I walked into our bedroom and they were hung up all around the wall. Um, so my wife and my kid had decided to make an art gallery out of the stuff that I was painting. And my son looked at me and um, he said, Dad, I told mom that that your paintings needed to be up, up, up in this room because they're just so amazing. And, um, you know, that may that gave gave me the warm and fuzzies uh, a little bit to have my eight year old son um, appreciate my my budding artistic talent. So. Cool. Well, clearly uh, that must have been very special. <laughs> uh, best thing that happened in the past month was when I was asked to substitute as a judge for our county fairs junior and senior talent contests. Now the juniors were those 14 and younger, and the seniors were those 15 to 21. Nine contestants in each of the two contests. Uh, I had a detailed scoring form I had to fill out. 
uh, for each contestant, uh, plus a separate piece of note paper to provide some comments that they could look at later. I was one of three judges, so the top three, as I ranked them, wouldn't necessarily be the top three ultimately. But uh, it wasn't easy to to judge the kids. Uh, there are a number of talented younger and older participants, many of them singers, which is worthy of note or at least notes. Uh, one of the junior contest participants sang Hey Big Spender. And these were 14 and younger, so that was a song selection which may have cost her some points. Uh, another one dressed as Moana and sang a tune from that cartoon. Splashing a little water at one point from behind some scenery she'd put across the front of the stage, uh, waves. Usually you're not supposed to make waves, but clearly her family did. In the senior contest, uh, a four-member rock band, including three siblings, uh, drove on the highway to hell. And like the road to hell, they definitely had good intentions. Another one of the older contestants did stand-up comedy, and while I didn't laugh a lot, he did a stand-up job. And a third played the ukulele and sang an original composition, Uke Couldn't Believe It. There was such a variety of talent on display, it may have been at the county fair, but it was a lot better than just fair. Uh, even to someone with these elephant ears and corny jokes, but of course we're not talking about the food that I ate that night. So that was the best thing that happened to me uh, earlier this month. Paul's always got a great story um, filled with puns. So next we'll move on to Dear GMC. So we've got a letter um, to share and a good question. And, and Marcus, just heads up, I'm going to have you answer first since this does have to do with changing jobs. Dear GMC, I'm not actively searching for a new job, but recruiters reach out to me all the time. And I have noticed a huge spike after I updated my LinkedIn profile to reflect my foundation level certification. Some of the jobs include attractive benefits like work from home flexibility, but salary ranges are all over the place. And I'm talking anywhere from less to what I make now to 50 grand more plus bonuses. So I have two questions. One, I'm struggling with defining my market value. Do you think the industry is still trying to figure out what proposal managers are worth? Two, I'm comfortable in my current position, but not opposed to change. Should I use these offers to negotiate a better situation for myself at my current job or take the leap and try something new, possibly for greater reward? Sincerely, Sal Ari. So Marcus, what advice do you have for Sal? Well, I, I would say I, those are both really great questions. Um, and uh, seeing that, you know, as I said, I, I'm new to my position and I was kind of in that exact same place. Um, and I struggled with with exactly the questions, defining market value, looking at, you know, the proposal writer, uh, you know, proposal management worth and everything. And I w what I will say as advice is. Um, No, like, like believe, have the confidence in yourself to, to make, to make that leap. Like my, my job, uh, transition last year was, you know, one of the greatest things, 
you know, that I've done. Um, and I definitely had moments where um, I was like, maybe I should just stay here where I'm comfortable um, and, and, you know, get paid, paid this rate. Like when I eventually decided to make the jump, um, it wasn't the compensation that, it, it, that ended up helping me make my decision. Um, you know, it was, it was just the, the experience. I'm always one who wants to continue to learn. I wanted to continue to learn in proposal management. Um, so if you have an opportunity and you feel like you've plateaued, then, then, then go out there, search, listen, listen to the recruiters. You know, it never hurts to hear the elevator pitch, right? When I was looking for jobs, you know, I updated my LinkedIn page and, and, uh, you know, I worked on my, my certification with APMP and, and I agree with all of that. Like I got more hits when all of that stuff was updated and I just had to say, all right, like, I'll listen, I'll hear about the job. I'll hear about, about this. And, and I waited and I found, and I found the, the spot that was right, um, eventually. Paul, what thoughts do you have for Sal? Okay, a couple of things. Sal, um, despite your name, salary is only part of it. Um, there, there are a lot of different factors when you're deciding whether to take a job. I've been fortunate enough a couple of times to have two job offers at the same time and be able to choose. You don't always have that as an option. But it sounds like you're getting a bunch of options. So I would go along with Marcus on this to listen to what the offers are, but also consider, you know, weigh things appropriately. It's not always uh, oranges to oranges. Sometimes it's apples and oranges between uh, different positions. So is your current job giving you satisfaction? Is it does it have some of the perks that perhaps are more important to you now than they were when you initially started, but you've come to really appreciate those? Um, also, if you have the chance, look at your coworkers. Who are you working with on a day-to-day -day basis and get a chance to meet the people at these new jobs, not just the person you're gonna report to, but ask to meet some of the other folks that you would be working with. Because if you find yourself really liking them a lot, that, you know, these are people that are friendly, that are going to definitely help me out, that's going to make a big difference once you're, you know, if you actually make the jump to that other job. But if, if you're in a position where you can make a choice, that you've got several recruiters going after you, listen to what they're saying, make sure that you know, what, what are the parameters? Maybe they're saying it's going to be this amount of money, but do they get a percentage of what you're going to be paid? Or is it strictly that they're being paid by somebody else? Because they may say a large number and then you come to find out, what, 15, 20% of that is supposed to go to them for the first year or something? I don't even know. I don't get these calls myself so much, but um, those are all things that I would take into consideration.
Yeah, I, I think you both bring a lot of really good points to the table. Um, and I'll just add to that. So, you know, Paul and Marcus, you, both of you talk about like really like considering the full package, right? And um, something that can be really helpful is, again, I'm all about mentors. If you have a mentor, if you have a trusted colleague, if you have somebody in the industry that you can go to talk through these options, that's amazing. Um, leverage your network, right? So ask around, like, what is the the market like in different companies? You know, Paul, to your point, if you can meet somebody from that company that works there that actually does the same job or a similar job, all of those can be really helpful pieces of information uh, when you're looking to make a change. Similarly, a mentor or some, you know, an, another colleague, another proposal management professional can help if you are looking to negotiate to, to see like, hey, what might be out there? Um, you know, could I see if my employer would offer me a raise? Um, you know, th those those are all questions that are incredibly complex and that there's no one way to give like a blanket uh, piece of advice for that. It's so individualized to your company, to you, your life, to all of those things. Um, the, the first part of your question, I, I think, is one worth reflecting on shortly, and that's, you know, is the industry still trying to figure out what proposal managers are worth? And I would say 100% yes. So, APMP has done a lot of work towards advocating for more uniformity across um, you know, job descriptions, like what is a proposal writer versus a proposal manager? It's different everywhere you work. And so the salary range is going to be reflective of that as well. Um, a couple of tools that are out there that can help Again, it's it's a it's a pretty scattered industry. It's not going to be as as Paul mentioned, you know, always an apples to apples comparison. But um, there is the salary survey that is available. I believe the last one was done in 2016, maybe. So it's a little bit old. It's a good place to start just to see what the salary ranges were. Um, APMP is working on a new survey that that should be out shortly. So those are those are two very beneficial um, uh, pieces of information that APMP offers with this kind of issue. Cool. And you know, you need to consider you're going to be able to build a nest egg. You know, in in the case of Marcus, you know, are you going to have ham and eggs? Anyhow, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Shortlisted, and that you'll join us next month. And a quick disclaimer and reminder, the advice offered in this podcast is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Use of this podcast is not intended to replace or substitute any financial, medical, legal, or other professional advice. This podcast, its hosts, and APMP GMC are not responsible for the outcome of your actions following any advice in any given situation. You and only you are completely responsible for your actions. Thanks, Heather. If we're now on your final list of podcast favorites we'd love to hear from you email our producer katie stutzman at k-s-t-u-t-s-m-a-n at gmc apmp to all those winning business out there on behalf of me heather our special guest marcus and all of us in the greater midwest chapter will gm see you next time on shortlisted